values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Anybody who said there's no diversity on this show, we've gone from Metallica to Ricky Martin. That's as diverse as you're going to get on this show. Live in La Vida Loca. Um, thanks for being here today. <laughs> um, oddly, not on my playlist. Julie, I know you love it, but not on my playlist. Surprising to you? Are you surprised by that? No, I guess not. Nah, I love not, this song. Oh, I, okay. All right. All right. Just the diversity. See, this is, we cover the spectrum on this show. I'm just surprised. I mean, this song is such a banger. <laughs> um... <laughs> Uh, President Biden shredded by both sides of the aisle. There was a bipartisan bill that was passed that protected us from ESG. Now, ESG is an acronym. Everything in government is a three-letter acronym, environmental, social, and governance, meaning that it allowed for – Um, corporations that invest your tax dollars, or not your tax dollars, your investment dollars, to use climate change as possibly a, um, they invest because of a climate change status or because of things happening with climate change. It is ridiculous. And it has no business in investment, which is why a lot of Democrats were on board. There is one thing to be involved in a cause and to support a cause. I respect people even when I don't agree. Um, I think PETA is a ridiculous organization. I, I, you know, as far as what they stand for, because I think they're ignorant. I, I don't think they know a lot of times what they're talking about. When I was in the rodeo business, I had that so many of them would complain about bull riding being cruel to the animals, and I used to laugh. I took care of a pen of. I used to feed forty-two bulls every single day. I made sure that they were dewormed. I called a vet when it was necessary. They ate better than most people, and they liked what they did. What people don't know about the rodeo business and bucking bulls, it's turned into a breeding industry where they're bred like this. They love it. It's what they do. Uh, Bulls would either buck or they didn't. Well, it's cruel. You tie that rope around their private parts, and I'm like, are you out of your mind? That doesn't happen. It's never happened. It's never going to happen. Um, But my point is – Many well-intentioned people come from a place of ignorance, and I'm okay with that. I, I We joked about it this morning. We do this thing called the, the Big Q question of the day. We do it every day with uh, Gatos, and he brought up climate change today. There's a new climate change report out saying, once again, we should be sprinting because we're right on the verge of disaster. And once again, within the next decade, they have been saying within the next decade since the 1970s and probably before that, but I don't remember it. I was born in 67, so the 70s is where I begin my memories. And the same, cli- same climate scientists that were wrong in the 70s, trained the next generation of scientists and good in, in practices and what were best practices. And so now what's being said in the climate community is, well, the last study wasn't wrong. It was that we didn't take into account people's actions. And so, but now we're better at it. We've got better science than we had before. So now we're writer, which isn't even a word, but they're, they're more correct than they've ever been. I pointed to last October, I think it was October 22nd, it came out, NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, the branch of our government that we count on for weather predictions, including hurricanes, in talking about La Nina, 
that was happening. That Southern California, the desert southwest, which is us, Nevada, and other areas, we were going to suffer because of La Nina, an extremely dry and drought-filled winter. Look out the window. Record snowfall. All of our reservoirs, all of the reservoirs in Arizona are going to be at capacity probably after this front moves through. We Now, that doesn't mean that the drought is over. Lake Mead, the Colorado River, no one is saying that. But the idea that they were so wrong just five months ago, five months ago, I mean, not just a little wrong, not that we got a little bit more rain than we anticipated. The fact that they were 180 degrees wrong and we're going to invest people's money in in accounts based on this. We're going to take your retirement dollars and we're only going to invest in companies that buy into climate science. And that's acceptable. The president of the United States used his first veto to stop this bill so that people can still use ESG in investing your money. His first veto. That shows you that everything this White House does is based on the belief that man-made climate change is the biggest issue that this world is facing today. And now your, your investment dollars may be invested in this kind of stuff if you're not paying attention. Even um, Democrats, Joe Manchin, which many people say isn't really a Democrat because he doesn't toe the line all the time, but he is a Democrat, it ripped this. I mean, Joe Manchin went hard after this, saying that this is crazy. Um, I'm trying to find his quote. Uh, Joe Manchin said President Biden is choosing to put his administration's progressive agenda above the well-being of the American people. And Joe Biden, of course, blamed it on MAGA Republicans because anybody, I guess that would be me included, anyone who doesn't buy into lock, stock and barrel into their belief on climate change and the necessity of changing everything we do in the world, that you are you're the outlier. You're the fringe. Listen, I do everything I can to conserve. I really do. I know it sounds silly, but, you know, when the city said don't plant winter grass, I didn't. My front yard looked horrible. I talk about loving a green lawn all the time. My front yard at my house, my older house, looked horrible. But I thought, you know, why would I water my grass four or five times a day to get it wet just to have a green lawn when we're going through this horrible drought? I use my recycle can knowing that it all goes into the same pile anyway. I don't litter. I want this planet to be cleaner when I leave it than when I found it. But the idea that we are now having these major shifts in the industrial world, Greta Thunberg just had to delete a tweet back from 2018, I believe, that said if we don't dramatically change everything we do in the next five years, we are going to be doomed. Well, here it is five years later. And what happened? She had to delete the tweet because she was wrong. Well-intentioned, but wrong. Which is fine. We can have this debate all the time on what you should be doing. Environmentalists should march in the streets for about climate change. You can hate on oil companies all you want to in fossil fuels. You can, you can talk about cow farts and how it's ruining the planet. That's great. Good for you. Let's put diapers on cows. That's another thing they're doing. All this stuff you can be in favor of. But now you've got the government saying we're going to invest people's retirement money based on this ideology. You don't think that's a bridge too far? I certainly do. They were wrong in October about February. 
They were wrong in October about February. And yet we're believing their predictions about 10 years down the road when they haven't been right yet. When I was in the 1980s, the last thing I'll say about this, in the 1980s when I was in high school, we were told that Florida, and within seven years, Florida was going to be underwater. Go watch Al Gore's prediction about Florida. It isn't. It isn't. And yet this is the narrative that we keep buying into. Coming up in just a moment, we get you caught up on the biggest news stories of the day. It's a segment we call Did You Hear This? So please stick around for it. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, let's get you caught up on the biggest news stories of the day. We call it Did You Hear This? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. President Xi and President Putin yet met yesterday to discuss a new world order, including a major factor that unites their countries. Presidents Putin and Xi publicly stating that the U.S. is their common adversary. The White House acknowledging that, saying what brings Russia closer together with China is their common desire to challenge U.S. leadership around the world. How concerned are you on a scale from 1 to 10? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned. I'm definitely over a 5. I'm closer to a 7 than I am. At probably a 7 or an 8. The reason why is I'm not concerned about military action, but what I am worried about is economic action. I don't know that I've seen enough foreign policy positives from this administration to head these things off. We seem to be far too reactionary and not proactive enough. Um, I think that our allies are strong. NATO is still very strong. Europe is still a great partner. I believe all of that to be true. But you are playing chess against uh, – you're playing checkers against an adversary that's playing chess. They look like they're in this for the long game. The Chinese economy bolstering up the Russian economy. Siding with the Iranians, strong country with oil, same thing with the Saudis, making deals with them. You see them, at least the world sees them making these deals and inroads. Let's throw into this some countries in Central and South America that now we see the Chinese making big investments in closer and closer to our doorstep. It seems like they're making maneuvers and we just aren't. That does concern me diplomatically. Idaho's legislature is considering a new method for administering the death penalty. The state legislature in Boise yesterday approved a measure allowing for the use of a firing squad to put the condemned to death. Five other states, Alabama, Florida, South Carolina, Kentucky, and Tennessee, have electric chairs on standby. Should states be using these types of methods? I don't have an issue with it. If we're going to implement capital punishment, then we should use it. If we're not going to, we should get rid of it. The way we do it is wrong for the victims. The perpetrators become the victims. In this, if we focused more on the families of the victims and saw that this was dragged out well over 20 years while these people that heinously murdered their family member or loved one is sitting on death row with all of these lawyers fighting for them is not the right message to send. I'm not a bloodthirsty person, but if the big hurdle for you is drugs that are being used for lethal injection and that being too harsh of a a penalty, when other states come up with narratives or methods to get around it, good for them. All they're doing is playing the game and saying that this is ridiculous and public largely agrees. 
You are listening to Did You Hear This? We do it every day at this time to catch you up on the big major headlines. Arizona's Department of Education is changing the way they administer empowerment scholarship account taxpayer dollars by removing one of the options parents use for education purposes. Please do not allow this administration to take away the ability of ESA students to access their funds with debit cards. Should the AZED get rid of the debit card option or should it just be refined? I think it needs to be refined. I think taking this option away from people defeats the purpose. I think that the people there there has to, we wouldn't take away EBT cards. I don't think anybody would stand for the idea that when people access their food stamps on a debit card, even though we know that there are some people that abuse the system, you find a way for grocery stores and other people, places that sell food to make sure they're staying within the confines of the rule. And I think that needs to be refined here. I think taking this option from families is going to be a horrible, there's going to be horrible results from this. I think it needs to be refined. I don't think you take a, a, a hammer to this or a hatchet to this. I think you need a scalpel. A Tempe First grassroots organization rallied yesterday to raise support to vote no on a $2 billion Tempe Entertainment District. One person says this could price people out of the area. The Entertainment District doesn't consider the budgets of ASU students, considering they're proposing an increased sales tax and want to attract higher income families with their high-end retail and fine dining. Could this price out some small businesses in Tempe? No, I think it's going to help small businesses. When you have people that have more money moving into your area, they spend more money. Are there going to, is there going to be collateral damage there would be in any kind of move forward? This isn't about the investment, as you heard that person say. This is about the wealthy getting wealthier. This is going to be a benefit to all of Tempe. I think it's going to be a good addition if it's passed. You couple this with, again, with you've got Sun Devil Stadium and Sun Devil Athletics and the other things that happen there on that campus and in close proximity, this huge entertainment district, I think it benefits everyone. And I don't see a downside. They consider it a downside that wealthy people will get wealthier. You get past that, it's hard to say this isn't a good thing. All right, that's Did You Hear This? Excellent job as always, Julia. We'll do it again uh, tomorrow um, uh, on Did You Hear This? at 1120. We do it every day. Uh, it's interesting on this project. Uh, I guess the biggest lesson I learned, and I was very – I didn't know I was learning it at the time. When I was working around wealthy people, meaning my customers had – most of them had extreme wealth when I worked on this island um, – and the property owners and the business owners that I worked for were very well off financially. There were a couple of things I learned from them. Number one is the attitude they always gave me was, if I can do it, you can do it. There's no magic in this. It takes just a lot of hard work. You have to have skills, but it takes a lot of hard work. But they always made me feel like I could achieve it myself. Um, secondly, um, the other lesson I learned from them is that there is no um, limit on people. There are good people that are poor. There are bad people that are poor. There are good people that are extremely wealthy. There are bad people that are extremely wealthy. It has nothing to do with the money in your pocket. It has everything to do with what's in your heart. And the demonization of the wealthy, to me, what it does is it holds people down. It may, You make it seem like because that person is rich, you can't ever be. And I think that limits people. And I just I think it's the wrong way to go. In a moment, is public opinion changing about crime and punishment? We'll talk about it next.
Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. <clears throat> we have a situation in America where I think that we have people focusing on the wrong things in a problem. And I think it's dangerous because when you go to a doctor and you're not feeling well, if something is wrong with you, If you get misdiagnosed and the doctor diagnoses a problem that doesn't exist, you're in worse shape than when you started because you believe now you have a diagnosis that's going to help the issue, and it isn't. The issue continues to fester, and you don't know it. That's why I am a big advocate for going after the right things in a situation like everybody is. I mean, that's a universal thing. Um, And here's what I mean by that. Crime and punishment is something I'm kind of obsessed with. Because um, I I look at gun control advocates and I think, you know, you don't think much differently than people that are pro-Second Amendment. You just look at the problem in a way that we don't. Here's what I mean by that. Here's a headline. Egregious delays. New Jersey gun owners struggle to get concealed carry permits after landmark Supreme Court case. Um, Gun control advocates want to see shootings go down. Well, amen. So do I. So do I. Um, And it's interesting because we want the same thing. You blame the firearm and you think even someone like me, I'm reasonable. You know, you don't agree with me a lot of times, but I'm reasonable. Um, I am a hothead. I admit that. I am someone that's excitable. I've never wavered or shied away from a confrontation. And I mean a verbal one. But I've never brandished a firearm at a human being. And I've been armed most of my adult life. And I am typical of gun owners going after Legal channels where people are getting guns is not the lion's share of this problem. The problem exists because criminals go through the revolving door of a justice system without punishment for many, many times. The the police chief of Washington, D.C. just recently said, if you want to see have people stop shooting people in the streets, make sure the shooters are behind bars and stay there. That a person that commits a murder, at least in that city, is, I don't know if he was talking about a national statistic, that a murder suspect is arrested 11 times on average before they ever commit a murder. Can you imagine if you are someone that is – think about crime rates. If you are someone that's a victim of a crime, how violated you feel. Someone tries to carjack you or someone stealing your car. You walk out of your home and someone has broken into your vehicle. Someone tries to burglarize your house while you're at work. All of these violations of your privacy. Um, but then you think about violent crimes. Sexual assault or just assault in general. You get into an argument with somebody. Uh, you're uh, you're at a gas station and you get into an argument with somebody, and this person decides they want to make it physical, and it becomes a physical confrontation. And you get your butt kicked pretty good. Somebody attacks you, and you get beaten up pretty badly. And then you find out that this person's been arrested for aggravated assault three or four times already and has done very, very little time in jail. And every time they get accused of something like this, they plead down to a lesser charge and they continue to violently lash out at people. Aren't you going to feel even more violated? The answer is absolutely you are. So we talked about this and did you hear this? Idaho is going to allow a firing squad as a form of execution, saying if we can't get our heads, our hands on the execution drugs that we need for lethal injection, we're going to employ a firing squad in certain cases to take out these people that have been condemned because of their actions. I have zero problem with that. Does that sound harsh to you? Does that sound horrible to you? 
I will tell you, it doesn't sound horrible to me if we believe that capital punishment, that the eye for an eye mentality is a viable option. If you commit a heinous crime like murder and you do it in such a, a despicable way, and I can, I will tell you that I have this weird thing about serial killers because I'm compelled by people that live in society normally most of the time that are committing these heinous acts. I just watched a documentary about Richard Kuklinski. They called him the Iceman. He was a mob hitman. But you look at guys like Danny Rawlings who killed students at, over at uh, the University of Florida. Ted Bundy who did it at Florida State but also in the Pacific uh, Northwest and I believe he also did it in parts of, uh, of other places as well. Um, and you wonder how they exist among us. You know, the cannibalism that was done by a Dahmer, Jeffrey Dahmer, um, the son of Sam who was hearing voices from a dog, all these different people. But they commit the most heinous of acts. And then within the laws of that state, they say, we're going to take your life because you took a life. But we try to do it in a humane way. So we even got to the point now with lethal injection. And Idaho is saying, listen, if you've committed an act so heinous that the citizens of this state deem you worthy of the death penalty, we're going to carry it out. You're not going to hide behind the, the lawyers that keep telling you that the drugs this and this is happening. It's inhumane. No, no, no. It, fine. The drugs, we can't get our hands on the drugs. The drug companies don't want to give it. We have another method we're going to employ. If that's what you're going to do, do it quickly. The idea that victims' families have to sit around and watch you appeal this case for 20-plus years where you become the center of attention and you become the victim, it's not good for the families. The last meal of anything you want listed of all these great things you get to eat, it's, it's foolish. It's absolutely foolish. I'm not bloodthirsty. I'm just saying if, if you focus on the victims, a lot of these problems go away, and people are sick of it. Even the president of the United States, who I disagree with so much, is saying we have got to have teeth in our laws and punishment. And the idea that in Washington, D.C., they were going to lessen the severity of penalties for people, um, including carjackings, violent crimes, was not going to be helpful to the crime rates in Washington, D.C. And people on the other side of the aisle, the ones that say they weren't in favor of defunding the police, that was the Republicans, all of that political nonsense, they're furious about this. They are furious because they see things through a prism of color of skin. I can tell you this. I don't know, and I guess it's, I guess it's happened, but if you're an accident victim or, or, a, or a crime victim, you're the victim of violent crime. That person's color of skin, other than identifying them to the police, doesn't matter to you. You wouldn't rather – be attacked by someone who is white or Hispanic or black or Asian, one over the other. If you're attacked, you're attacked by somebody that's violent. And people are tired of it. So here you've got these groups of people that are trying to slow down uh, private citizens. Hawaii's talking about a sweeping gun control bill that would preclude innocent people from protecting themselves, believing that that somehow is going to reduce crime rates. And it does not. So, again, they want the same thing that you and I might want, right? They want the same thing we want, safer streets, less crime, less death, less mayhem. And what are they getting? More of it. Look at the defund the police cities, and then you look at, you look at places like California with really strict gun laws. Or do you feel safer in L.A., or do you feel safer in Phoenix? Do you feel safer in Florida? You know, we have um, – here in Arizona, we have very lenient gun laws. I feel safe everywhere I go. I do. 
I feel safe everywhere I go. And I pray that I never have to let anybody know if I'm armed or not. But I know that I want to be prepared as much as I can. Last thing I'll say about it is I've said this so many times. People, when their homes, when they when they have a grease fire in their kitchen, the first thing they do is go out and make sure the batteries are in their smoke alarms and they buy a fire extinguisher in case their kitchen catches on fire again. Nobody would say to them, "What do you got? Why would you need a fire extinguisher? You're not a professional firefighter. You're going to hurt yourself. Call the fire department." And I would say to them, I am absolutely going to call the fire department, but I'm going to fight this fire as much as I can until the professionals get here. And it's the same thing with guns. I will always dial 911, but I'm going to defend myself until the professionals get there. And it's the same principle. And anybody who disagrees with that probably hasn't faced a situation where their life was in danger and then been thankful that they had something that would save it. We're going to finish things off. We talked earlier about homelessness, and I think we're going to finish off talking about that because it's a problem that exists, and it's a growing problem here. But are we attacking it the right way, or is there more than one way we should be attacking it? We'll talk about that before we close it all out here in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, a little shameless plug for the boys in the afternoon. Gatos and Chad will have on the owner of this restaurant that I'm talking about. There is a sub shop up in the in downtown Phoenix. Uh, the guy's name is Joe Falacci, and he will be on with the boys this afternoon. Uh, do we know what time, uh, uh, Julia? We don't know. Okay, but it will be this afternoon. Uh, the, uh, four o'clock. Four o'clock this afternoon. Thank you, everyone. So at four o'clock, Joe Falacci will join to talk about his plight. Um, I, I went into detail about this. I'm not going to bore you with the story again if you go back and listen to the podcast. But I have a strong connection to homelessness. I've never been homeless myself. But I have my cousin who was very close to me, almost like a brother, died homeless in Las Vegas. And he did it largely by his own choice. Um, he was involved in drugs and alcohol, happily involved in those things, did not want to get off the drugs, did not want help. He had a strong family behind him that gave him every opportunity to get off the streets. He chose not to. And it cost him his life. I miss him. I missed him then. It makes me cry to think about how much of a, how he was like a brother to me. But he was actually my first cousin. His name is Kenny. Um, so homelessness is not abstract to me. It, to me, homelessness has a real face and a real story. But we have to admit that there were there's a difference in all of the aspects of homelessness, and it's diverse and it's it's complicated. That's why I don't believe millions and billions of government dollars arbitrarily thrown in that direction to make us feel better about the problem fixes it. There are private organizations. St. Vincent de Paul being one of them. Um, it, it is uh, – when you go downtown and you see where people are living close to services and the work that is being done to help homeless people, I still believe they're human beings. I will still go down to St. Vincent de Paul to their kitchen down there. And I will, anytime I can, help serve meals because I don't care why they're on the streets. I still see them as human beings, and I believe that we should care for those people, that there's still an element of humanity that says, you know, you, you, I want to keep you alive. I wish you would change, whether it's a mental illness or an addiction problem that keeps you perpetually on the streets. That's your choice in some cases. The people that want out 
of that situation that are willing to work to get out of it, we should be throwing every resource we have in their direction to help them get back because they're, but for the grace of God, go I. You know, when you talk to people at St. Mary's Food Bank, which I talk to often, um, you know, they're feeding families now that are not homeless. But they're also families that never imagined in a million years that they wouldn't be able to feed their kids. And here they find themselves in that situation. And I remember being someone who was in a family where my mom worked so very hard, three jobs. And there was a short time, a couple of times where food was very scarce in our house. And I watched my mother cry, but she was doing everything she could. Um, so I have a big belief in helping those people realizing that some of those families and some of you may be the same way. You might be one tragedy and not even a major tragedy from homelessness. You get sick and can't go to work for a week. Can you cover your rent? If you can't cover your rent, you're going to get evicted, uh, especially when the fees and the late fees all start piling up. What about a flat tire? Can you afford a tow truck and a brand new tire on a vehicle in a missed couple of days work? Nope. So it can happen to anyone. But what are we doing in this situation? This this sub shop owner is it's called the old old station subs. Here's a guy just trying to eke out a living in a part of town that's been overwhelmed with homelessness. Is he wrong for saying, hey, listen, I show up every day to protect myself and to keep my business open. But why do people want to come here? Why are people going to come to my store? Now I'm putting words in this guy's mouth. I'm, it's not his words. These are mine. But I'm fighting to keep a business open, to keep a roof over my head and food on my family's table, and I'm being overwhelmed with homeless people, and the good people in the public that would love my sandwiches are not coming into my shop because they have to they have to wade through a sea of homelessness. That's not right to me. He's not a bad guy if he says that. No business owner is. And the city of Phoenix ought to do something about it. That doesn't mean that we turn our backs on the problem of homelessness. We've got to make some, we've got to decipher the difference between those that are seeking help and those that are just seeking to stay on the streets. How do we protect both groups? How do we make sure that society is protected as well? It's a complex problem, but it's one we better face head on because it's only getting worse in our city. It's only getting worse. Um, if you're a social media user, at Broomhead KTAR is me on Twitter. That's my personal Twitter handle. If you don't like something there or you love it, came from me. Uh, at Broomhead Show updates you on what we do here on the show. And Mike Broomhead, all one word on Instagram. That's where you can find me. I hope you'll join me for part of your day again tomorrow. I appreciate part of your day today. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow morning beginning at just after 8. Until then, I hope you have a great day. God bless.